Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language. It is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Official, Billy the Snuggle Bunny Jones is job hunting. Yes, you are. Gonna leave the liquor store here soon. Yeah. Just feel like it's time. You yeah. Know, kind of like a new chapter type of thing. Yeah. You were loyal to the previous owner. Like a samurai. Mm-hmm. Very loyal. And here's the thing is I decided that when the company was bought by this corporation... They own a lot of liquor stores in Indiana. Uh, oh, yeah, they do now. A lot. And I think they just bought five more, but it won't. But that's just what I hear. But, like, I feel like I've been lied to. They're like, oh, you know, you, you get to keep your seniority. You don't. Nope. They handle no. it just like you're a new hire. Oh, that paperwork that you got to do every morning? Pfft, you don't got to do any paperwork anymore. It's all computerized. I can't take a piss. Without having to fax somebody something, I have to fill out something. I've done I've I've done more paperwork now than I've ever done in all of my years in high school. I've done more fucking paperwork. And, and there's that whole vacation thing. Yeah, the vacation thing fucked me over. And they say like, oh, you know, now you're in complete charge. You're in control of your store. Well, you're not because I have to ask permission to get this new beer or get this new energy drink. I have to get permission to do it. I have. Like, we'll get a beer in. Like, like for instance, I have in, in the warehouse, I still have Oktoberfest beer. Oktoberfest is on its way out. And there's good pumpkin craft beer that's out there that is gone now. I can't get it. Because they're two weeks behind on catching up all these pricing and the UPC codes and stuff. But it's like, you're always going to be behind. You're yeah. never going to catch up because of how many products are out there. So, it's... And, you know, I'll see, like, our competitors, they'll, they'll put stuff on, like, Instagram saying, like, oh, this is in, this is in, come check this out. And I'm like, I have that in my warehouse. I can't put it on the shelf yet. Great. You know, but, so I think everything just all added up. I was like, you know what? I think uh, we were all lied to. We were all duped. And I went from working at a local-owned business to being a Walmart greeter. Pretty much. That's kind of what I feel like. Yeah. My dream job is, and people are going to laugh at it, after-hour school janitor. Because there's no employees to worry about. There's no payroll you have to write. There's no paperwork. There's no nothing. It's you and maybe another guy. And you show up and you're like, what are we doing today? And they're like, mopping. And you go, (laughs) okay. And then you take your little cart and you just go do that. Put some headphones in, listen to an audiobook or something, and... Just do that and then go home. Fuck, that sounds great. <laughs> I've always told you you could get a job at the prison. Oh, fuck with those people. Yeah, they are kind of assholes. I, I just have the a, prisoners, not the employees. <laughs> I have a feeling I'd end up I'd end up in a jumpsuit. I have a feeling I'd, I'd probably just go ape shit and beat the fuck out of somebody and then really get in trouble. So, discretion 
just I'm not even gonna put myself in that situation. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll find something better than what you have. Yeah. And I'll support you no matter what. Thanks. You're welcome. I could be a stay-at-home dad. You could be. I could. And then we lose a lot of money every month. But I could. You could, but it'd be tight. <laughs> I really don't think it'd be as tight as you think. My check, uh, I think it my would. check really does cover groceries. My, my check is good for the car payment and one good trip to the Walmart. That's it. Then it's gone. I still think it would be tight. I think we need that second income. Yeah, I'm working on it. Our Patreon subscribers are awesome, but it doesn't exactly make up for your weekly wage. <laughs> yeah. Still be nice to stay home and just make tacos. Tacos are amazing. I gotta open up a food truck. Oh, I need money to do that. Yeah. That's the thing. Yep. Oh, well. All right, guys. Welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. And possible job opportunities. If there's one that you know of, let me know. I'm down. Joined by my husband and co-host looking for a job, Billy. I still got a job. Tonight, we're back for part two. Guess who's back? Back again. Hi, Donald. Harvey's back. Kill some men. Kill them men. And women. He doesn't discriminate. Nope. He kills them all. He's an equal opportunity killer. He kills a lot of fucking people. Oh my god. So that's right, guys. We're back with part two of episode 72, all about prolific American serial killer Donald Harvey. If you haven't heard part one, you should probably put a pin in this episode and go listen to it so you know what kind of craziness you're walking into with your earballs. Earballs. Ear balls i just like saying balls yeah we like that fun <laughs> just as a reminder this guy has more confirmed kills than bundy or ramirez or even gacy but his murders weren't even discovered as murders for 17 years so let's jump right back into the early 80s when harvey was in his mid-30s and had already killed over a dozen people by your mid-30s that's an achievement mm-hmm I'm not saying it's a good one, but it's an achievement. It's something. It's something. In early 1983, Harvey was still living with his partner, Carl Howler, and he was still quite jealous and paranoid. He started thinking that his 63-year-old neighbor was a threat to his relationship with Carl. Wait, a 63-year-old neighbor is a threat to a guy in his mid-30s? Yes, he's very paranoid. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, just making sure. He started sprinkling arsenic on leftovers he would take to her, and in a mayonnaise jar, he gave her as well. After several weeks, he put a larger dose in a pie. She started getting paralysis and had to have tracheotomy placed, but she began hemorrhaging and never regained consciousness, dying on April 10th. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, tracheotomy is when you have to have a colostomy bag. No, that's... That's totally oh, not correct. It's when they take out your appendix. No, that's why I'm the nurse and you're not. It's when they cut a hole in your fucking throat and put a tube in there. Oh. So you can breathe. You mean a tracheotomy? Yes. Got it. <laughs> Harvey would later say that he never intended the poisoning to be fatal, that he only wanted to make her sick. Well, I mean, he did. He did. 
multiple members of her family ended up getting sick when they used the tainted mayonnaise at the meal following her funeral. I was going to say, like, they, I, I, I didn't even look at the writing and I was like, they probably did this shit at the wake. Yep. They used the tainted mayonnaise. All the more reason to avoid mayonnaise. It's disgusting. Yeah, mayonnaise. No, thank you. <laughs> there weren't any deaths and their illnesses were blamed on food poisoning. And two weeks later, for an unknown reason, Harvey began poisoning Carl's 82-year-old father, Henry, by slipping him some arsenic. Where the fuck is he getting all this arsenic? The hospital? Evidently, they had that in the 80s, just hanging out at the hospital. Well, you have to have them, I guess, around for cleaning wounds for the tracheotomies and the colostomies. No. I'm wrong again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. What's arsenic used for in a hospital? In a medical setting, what do you do with it? I have no clue. I know it kills things. Yep. Uh, that's not something you want in a bottle next to aspirin. And just, you know, just my opinion. Okay. <laughs> I don't know much, but I know that. Yeah, I, I have no clue. He may not have gotten it from the hospital. I don't know. He got it from somewhere. Like, nurse, give he me... he was, like, sprinkling it all and shit. Give me 10 cc's of arsenic stat. Like, I don't understand why arsenic would be used in anything. Unless you're bored and want to party. Like Donald Harvey. Donald Harvey party. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. Party. So, he started slipping his uh, boyfriend's father some arsenic, and his father ended up dying on the 25th from stroke and kidney failure. Heart failure, too. That's the ultimate. That's the one that gets yeah. you in the end. Mm-hmm. Near the end of 1983 slash beginning of 1984. Who's counting, right? Right. <laughs> Harvey accidentally killed Carl's brother-in-law, Howard Vetter. Harvey had been using wood alcohol to remove adhesive labels and had stored it in a vodka bottle. Carl mistook it for actual alcohol and served his brother-in-law a few drinks from it. Okay, if that's the case, this does sound like an honest accident. Yeah. Well... He was horribly sick for a week and then had a massive heart attack. And his death was attributed to cardiac issues. So heart nobody was any the wiser. Heart failure. Heart failure. Yeah. On September 19th, 1984, Harvey accidentally killed a patient at the VA hospital, a man named Hiram Prophet. He gave him the wrong dose of heparin, which is a blood thinner, but he didn't tell anyone about the mistake and no one questioned his death. You have to monitor people on blood thinners very closely. And they will bruise like crazy. Oh. I've had people that are on Coumadin, which we have to watch carefully. Which, guys, is a seasoning that goes in tacos. No, it's not. Mm -mm. I'm thinking, it's a blood thinner. I'm thinking cumin. Yeah, it, it's a blood thinner. Coumadin. Coumadin. Oh. I'm, I'm wrong again. Yep. You have to monitor what's called their PTINR very closely. Prothrombin time and international ratio. All that jazz. I had someone come into a very quote-unquote high-class facility that I worked at once. And nobody bothered to check a PTINR. And this person was on Coumadin. Normal range is between two and three. Mm-hmm. This person was bruised all over and hemorrhaging internally when they went to the hospital. Theirs was at like 14. Oh, wow. Because nobody bothered to check it. 
Very dangerous stuff. So, yeah. So, anyone who's on Blood Thinner, you have to watch very carefully. And, uh, this guy was not. So, Harvey didn't tell anyone about his mistake. No one questioned it. And it just kind of swept under the rug. Is that how it was in the 80s? I'm asking you like you were there, but, like... Seems like everybody's like, ah, well, pshaw. Like, they're, they're really, he's getting away with a lot of shit. I don't think nowadays he would get away with it all. Maybe, I wonder if he's the reason there are a lot of, a lot of practices are changed. Like, there's a lot of standards now. It's like, mm-hmm. it's because of Harvey's ass. Well, yeah, I mean, he was basically like a CNA back in the day, and he could do shit that you would never be allowed to do today. Yeah, like, so. Ramrodding a catheter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, giving people fucking heparin. Yeah. That should be a nurse's job. But anyway. On November 9th, he killed the ex-boyfriend, 65-year-old James Peluso. Harvey was 32 at this time, so that means that when the two began a relationship, when Harvey was 17, I mentioned him in the last episode, Peluso would have been around 50. Ick. Yuck. Ick. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Yuck.org. I'm logging on, buddy. <laughs> anyway, Peluso had allegedly asked Harvey to, quote-unquote, help him out if he ever became sick or infirm to care for himself, so Harvey obliged. Okay, I'll take care of you. I'll probably accidentally kill you. He put arsenic in there a daiquiri and some pudding for him. I could go for a daiquiri and some pudding. Yeah. Without I... the arsenic. I'd risk it. It depends on the pudding. <laughs> I was like, wait, did you? This is crushed ice, right? <laughs> All right. Arson. Yeah, I can't even spell it. Bring it. I'm a sucker for butterscotch. Butterscotch pudding. That is good. It is good. Uh, I used to like dirt pudding. Until your sister stuck her ass in it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. There goes that. That's a different story for a different day. Yes, it is. He got ill at home and was taken to the VA hospital where he died. Doctors had expected it due to cardiac problems he had been having, so an autopsy wasn't done. (laughs) Eh. Just let it roll by. They just pushed another body in and they were like, is that Harvey out there? Hey, Harvey! In 1985, Harvey still wanted to control and protect his partner, Carl. He thought their neighbor, Edward Wilson, was cheating Carl on the utility bills. Why would a neighbor cheat you on utility? I think he was like the owner of the property, and it was broken up into apartments. Oh, so all of it together gets divvied, maybe? I think so. Oh. Well, Harvey put some arsenic into Wilson's (laughs) Pepto-Bismol on March 18th, which is definitely something Pepto cannot fix. Despite the heartburn, nausea, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Yeah. Pepto-Bismol. Put it in your mouth. I don't know what's. I don't know what the jingle is. <laughs> if not, if not, that should be. Well, you the, looked. You looked at me like continue, like, and I'm like, come on, Billy. Yeah, yeah. They've made so many commercials about nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Yay, Pepto Bismol. Put it in your stomach. I'm, I think I'm doing good. Hmm. Sure. All right. Well, fuck you too. Well, this guy died five days later on March 23rd. That month, Harvey was promoted to morgue supervisor, which seems fitting. No, it doesn't. Not to him. They're all dead. I, he needs to be around people to give him arsenic. It didn't last long because he was let go from the VA hospital in July. 
Security guards at the hospital saw him leaving on the 18th, carrying a gym bag and acting suspicious. They stopped him and searched his bag. They found a 38 caliber pistol, hypodermic needles, surgical scissors, gloves, various medical and occult books, <laughs> a biography of serial killer Charles Sobraj, a cocaine spoon, and a small specimen of liver mounted in paraffin wax ready to be sliced for microscopic examination. That's like everything. Every, nothing was good in that bag. No, not, not, not a thing. Not a damn thing. Uh-uh. Like, <laughs> this, this security guard is the first time. Like, the fuck what is, the fuck is this? What is this? A pistol? Needle? What the fuck? Like every single time. Like, what the fuck is... What the fuck? What the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? <laughs> They're just holding up shit. No, it's like a clown car. They keep coming out. Yeah, they're just pulling out horrible things. Now, although it's all weird shit, what got him actually fired was the gun, because bringing a firearm onto the property was strictly against federal law, since the VA hospital was federal property oh but arsenic's cool he didn't have arsenic in the bag at that time i'm just saying if he did they'd be like "Eh, get out of here you crazy kid (laughs) they tussle his hair he had to pay a 50 dollar (laughs) fine broke the pocketbook that week it seems like something in like a spoof comedy (laughs) you know like the the, like that movie that scary movie or something like that you know like the pistol syringes a book on how to use a pistol with syringes. A cult book. Dummies, cocaine spoon? The dummy's guide to occult books. <laughs> cocaine spoon. No cocaine, but looking at your eyes, I can tell why. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, so like, if I was a security guard, I'd be in the background like. <clears throat> is this for real? Am I being pranked? Uh, like, is Where's this, Ashton Kusher? <laughs> is this a training exercise? Because uh, there's a lot in here. Where's the sergeant? Sarge? (laughs) So yeah, he had to pay a $50 fine, but was given the option of a quiet resignation rather than termination. They were like, you just leave. We'll keep it on the DL. Everything will be straight. They like went through all of his stuff and they're moving like liver and they're moving the occult book as syringes. And they're like, is that a fucking gun? (laughs) Yep. Uh, you got me. Mm-hmm. Damn, Donald. So, none of this showed up in his employment records, and the hospital didn't investigate Harvey any further. They were like, you just leave. We will turn this way. You go that way. We'll separate ties. I'm going to turn around and count to ten. When I turn around, you better be gone. Yep. Pretty much. They pretty much let him leave and swept it under the rug. By early 1986, he was working for a Daniel Drake Memorial in Cincinnati, Ohio, and nothing suspicious showed up on his work record, because the last place just was like, oh, it's hunky-dory, he just left. <laughs> yeah, like, they don't want to say anything to, like, there's a, he's just, Harvey, he's an odd duck, mm-hmm. but I tell you why, he shows up 15 minutes early and leaves 10 minutes later than usual, so um, there's that. And he has reliable transportation, mm-hmm. and he has a gym bag. I've heard. <laughs> a 65-year-old patient named Nathaniel Watson was semi-comatose. 
and being fed through a gastric tube. Harvey's about to fix that. Well, Harvey thought that was the shit life. He decided to take him from semi-comatose to full comatose to dead. Exactly. In he wanted to put seconds. him out of his misery. So he's like, he reached his bag. He's like, do I do syringe? Do I do this? Do I just stab him with the spoon? Do I, do I shoot hit him, him in the head with a book? Do I just beat him to death with my book? <laughs> <laughs> that is a comically fucking foot. That's like, that's like, like the end of Scarface where he dips his face into a whole mountain of cocaine. We're like, okay, this is silly. Mm-hmm. Like we've just crossed it to the realm of silly. Yeah. Like, I just can't see myself like behind the security guard. I'm gonna be talking about this a lot. Where. They're going to pull out shit. They're like, I'm like, damn, Donald. Damn, Donald. (laughs) Damn, Donald. (laughs) Well, Harvey tried several times to suffocate the man with a wet trash bag held over his face. No matter if it's fucking wet, it's a trash bag. But once again, someone always interrupted. He finally did kill him with a plastic bag and pillow on April 8th. He wasn't discovered by medical staff until 45 minutes later as Harvey carried on with his work duties elsewhere. Hey, there's a dead guy in bed 111B. What, what did they say in the, in the previous episode? What did we say? Like, uh, he ain't looking good. Yeah. <laughs> ah, he looks a there. little sick. He looks he, a little ill. He looks like he's sleeping because he's laying down and his eyes are closed. But I don't know if he's sleeping. Now, this is where things really pick up. Let's do something we haven't done in a very long time. Let's get a little palate cleanser before we jump into this. Palate cleanser, go. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, while this is playing, I got a joke. I'm practicing for a bug eating contest. Uh Uh-huh. I got butterflies in my stomach. (laughs) You see, because it's a contest. Let's just play an ad. All right, and we're back. I thought it was good. Enough of that. Enough of the 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 palate cleanser and the, the bad butterfly in the stomach joke. Just pshaw. I've got oodles. You do. That's sad. All right, so back to murder. Yay! On April twelfth, he killed sixty-four year old Leon Nelson the same way, a plastic bag and pillow. On the nineteenth, eighty-one year old Virgil Weddle. By putting rat poison in his pudding, causing did, a heart attack, which was expected due to his medical condition. Did he for, Did he run out of arsenic? No. You know, it kind of reminds me of like food shopping, not the food shopping network, but food network, where they're like, you know, you use, you know, like organic beets. And if you don't have them, store-bought's fine. Where it's like, <laughs> you use arsenic, but if you can't, rat poison will do if you're in a pinch. Yeah. Life hack. Well, he took some of Weddle's cookies and ate them during an occult ceremony. Okay, they did because he was hungry. Nom, 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 or nom, was nom, it a nom. part of the occult ceremony? It was part of the ceremony. Eat cookies is part of a ceremony. Evidently, I need to join this fucking cult. Yeah. The next day, if you're he... in a cult and you get a cookie break, <laughs> you're in the right cult. I thought that stopped in like kindergarten. There's <laughs> cookie still... break and then a nap. You mean they're still fucking doing that? <laughs> cookie break and a nap. Well, the next day he tried to kill patient Lawrence Bernston several times with rat poison. He was transferred to a nursing home and ended up dying a few days later. Ah, uh, I was hoping boy this is like he tried killing him multiple times with rat poison. Turns out he t- he's a superhero and you just can't kill him. 
No, he died, but not at the hospital where Harvey could see it and gloat in his splendor of, ah, I killed somebody. Nope. At the nursing home. On May 2nd, Harvey and Carl split up. They had been arguing all the time, and Harvey was paranoid that Carl was out to get him. That same day, he killed 65-year-old Doris Nally by putting cyanide in her apple juice. Which is fitting, since cyanide comes from apple seeds. Yeah. On June 20th, Harvey put arsenic in the soup of 63-year-old Edward Shrebus, killing him. Is there reasons to any of this? Oh, that was for, for jealousy and for... Just because he's pissed at the world, I guess. God. Around this time, he had been poisoning patient Willie Johnson several times, trying to kill him by putting arsenic in his food. June 29th, 80-year-old Robert Crockett was killed when cyanide was pushed through his IV. July 7th, 61-year-old Donald Barney, Harvey put cyanide in his feeding tube, as well as injecting him with cyanide in his buttocks. The whole time he was crying like, you deserved it, that was the best thing you ever had. Something bit me in my butt. <laughs> Directly in the buttocks, sir. <laughs> July 25th, James Woods, 65, had cyanide put through his feeding tube. August 16th. Ernst Frey, 85, arsenic in his gastric tube. Harvey took an old pair of knitted booties that had belonged to him. The fuck is a knitted booty? I'm assuming baby booties that were knitted. Oh. I don't know if they were his or a grandchild, but he took some knitted booties. Because they're adorable. Maybe. August 29th, Milton Cantor, 85, cyanide solution in his nasal tube and Harvey took Cantor's lap blanket. A few weeks later, Harvey killed 74-year-old Roger Evans by putting cyanide in his gastric feeding tube. Where is he getting this? Guys, whoever's listening out there, if you make cyanide or arsenic or both, stop it. (laughs) Don't do that. Lighten up. Well, an autopsy was actually done on Evans, but the cyanide wasn't discovered. Just three days later, Harvey put cyanide in 69-year-old Claiborne Kendrick's feeding tube, as well as injecting some into his testicles for good measure. Just, you know. Because, why not? You have a little extra left. What are you going to do with it? Put it in the testicles. Yeah, you can't put it in your mystery bag. It's too full. That's his mystery bag. (laughs) (laughs) Balls. Balls. (laughs) Kendrick, of course, died. Then Harvey took a break for a month. It was his vacation. It was his holiday. It's like, <laughs> ah, I'm going to enjoy this. Uh, yeah, a little time for me, tell you what. And then he picked back up on October 29th. We're back. Killing Albert Bullman, 86, by dissolving cyanide in a cup of water that Bullman was drinking. He did practically the same thing on the 30th. Well, putting... if, it wor- if it works, yeah. Putting cyanide in a cup of orange juice that 85-year-old William Collins was drinking. He started off November with killing Henry Cody, 78, by putting cyanide-laced water in his feeding tube. Erica, don't ever let me get a feeding tube. Now I'm just physically afraid of them. Uh, I, I wouldn't want one anyway. I've, I've seen what happens to people that aren't going to improve when you put a feeding tube in them. And it just makes them linger. Don't ever put a feeding tube in me. Unless there's an actual chance of me recovering, please. 
(laughs) So by this time, Harvey and Carl had been broken up for about six months, but Harvey still wasn't over it. No matter how many people he killed, he was still depressed and heartbroken. So he began seeing a doctor for his depression, but it didn't help. He tried to commit suicide that month by driving his car off of a mountain road. So he wouldn't take fucking cyanide or arsenic? No. Wow, what the fuck? He didn't die, but he ended up with yet another head injury. Now around this time, he also started performing occult rituals regularly and carried cyanide on him most days that he worked. It came in handy on November 22nd when he dissolved it in water and put it through the feeding tube of 65-year-old Mose Thompson. He also used it to kill 72-year-old Otis Day on December 9th. The next day, December 10th, he killed Cleo Fish, 67, with a cyanide cranberry juice cocktail. Is nobody noticing the fact that people are dying really quick in a really quick fashion, days and days and days at a time, and it always has something to do with a feeding tube or fucking orange juice? Well, you remember at his previous job, they made fun of him. They told him he was the angel of death, and no one made any connection between the deaths and him being on staff at the time. They were like, oh, pshaw. It's just coincidence. And even now they're like, they're talking about it in the cafeteria and they're nudging each other like, you think Harvey was there? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Nobody wanted to believe it, but maybe in the back of their minds they thought that was the case. So Harvey took a lock of hair from Cleo Fish and burned it during an occult ceremony, which seems more reasonable than eating a cookie. I prefer cookie. I would prefer cookie too. Burning hair is fucking horrible. Yeah. That sounds like no fun, but oatmeal cream pie sounds fun. You're not a female. You never curled your hair with a curling iron and left it sitting there too long. It's awful. But I do have a heat comb and a long beard. I've burnt my hair. Awful, isn't it? Yeah. Especially since you have a beard, the smell goes nowhere but up. And what's above a beard? A nose. <laughs> right there. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. So, uh, yeah. Burnt. Hair. And at some point in 1986, he poisoned Harold White and John Oldendick. Wow, that's a name. Wow. Oldendick. You know. That's gross. If you say it quick, it sounds like Holdendick. We've all done that. Yep. A little bit. All right. He poisoned these two with arsenic. And these two were lucky enough to live as the doses were too small to be fatal. Nobody can get Olden Dick down. Nope. Now we're up to 1987. Let's take a little ad break to get away from all these murders for a second. Wait, but before we do... Before we do... Tell us, Billy. What's on your mind? I was going to start a bourbon company, but I heard it's a whiskey business. (laughs) Just roll the fucking ad. Oh, wasn't that ad break refreshing? Yeah. My, Get you away from the murder for a minute and my, away from Billy's fucking horrible joke. My joke was good, too. No. Mm-mm. You see, whis- whiskey? whiskey is... Okay, whiskey business? Bourbon, because of, of bourbon. Yeah. It's not funny. There's somebody out there that let out a giggle. There's somebody. Out of all the downloads that we have, somebody went, 
Billy, he's a card. There is a gal in mental health who hired in with me who tells the most horrible jokes and laughs her ass off. So if she were to listen to this, she would think that was funny. Fuck yeah, man. One person. Yep. There you go, Miro. Don't know if you listen. There you go. There you go. All right. So we must continue. So it's 1987, a new year. Harvey could have chosen to make a resolution not to kill anybody anymore, but he didn't. Yeah, I mean, he's good at it. Or he did, and he broke his resolution really fucking quick. (laughs) He did, and he fucked it up. His first confirmed kill this year was on January 10th. He didn't even wait two fucking weeks. (laughs) Fuck this new year, (laughs) new me shit. He killed 47-year-old Leo Parker by administering feeding through his gastric tube that was laced with cyanide. An autopsy was done on Parker, but the poisoning was not detected. What is... with... Yep. What the fuck is wrong with... Yep. Jesus. (laughs) On February 5th, he killed an 80-year-old woman named Margaret Kukrow, by, once again, slipping cyanide in her orange juice. He also gave 76-year-old Stella Lemon cyanide-laced OJ in February, but she did not pass away until March 16th. Well, that was probably the orange juice that did it. If your last name's Lemon, you can't touch orange juice. It's a spit, You're in, right. it's a spit in God's face. Mm-hmm. Battle of the citrus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or the poison could do it, too. Sure, mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm. While she was fighting to live, Harvey killed Joseph Pike, 68, on March 6th. He tried a new method for this one. He fed the man a product called Didacol, which is an adhesive remover that is used to help remove colostomy bags, surgical tape, basically anything sticky. Oh, cool. And it worked. Joseph Pike died. That's not cool. Yeah. Anytime you use an anti-adhesive, it's probably going to be toxic. Harvey now had something else to work with, so he tried it again the next day. He gave it to 82-year-old Hilda Leitz through her feeding tube and through some orange juice he gave her. Stay away from orange juice, guys. Which, I don't know why he's giving her orange juice orally if she's got a feeding tube. Usually that's counteractive. That's a whole medical thing to go into, and I'm not going to. Tracheotomy. Yeah, you don't want to give fluids through a tracheotomy. That goes straight to the lungs. That's just not... Mm-mm. Yep. Yeah. Colostomy bag, adhesive, colostomy, t- tracheotomy. That's why you can't lay anyone on a feeding tube flat, because then it'll back up and get into their lungs, and you don't want that. That's <laughs> <laughs> silly. <laughs> Goofy goofer. <laughs> so, he felt like he was on a roll... So he also killed John Powell, 44, that day, with his trusted cyanide in the feeding tube M.O. But this murder was the beginning of the end for Harvey because an autopsy was done on Powell by a Dr. Lee Lehman who had a background in biochemistry, specifically in cyanide. Well, it's about fucking time. The autopsy took place the next day, March 8, 1987. When Dr. Lehman cut Powell open, he immediately smelled bitter almonds, a telltale sign of cyanide. Or if it's like a simple thing like, 
like he's talking to the 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 coroner, you know, and he's like, "Well, what you do is you just take this little tiny bit of blood, you put some water in it, like right here, shake it. See how it's turning blue? It's fucking cyanide, dipshit. <laughs> like, and that that was it. Like, I'm and I'm going to fucking lunch, you dumbasses. There's a meal truck outside. I'm gonna go get some. When I come back, have the shit cleaned up. <laughs> like the coroner was like, "There's that smell. God, I just lately I've just been really hungry for almonds. Yeah, that's cyanide." That's what that is? <laughs> Fuck. I thought I was having a stroke or something. Mind blown. <laughs> All these people are dead. And the coroner's like, hey, you learn something new every day. Yep. <laughs> How about that? Mm-hmm. So he smelled this smell of bitter almonds, this cyanide smell. So he took multiple samples from the body and sent them off to be tested, suspecting Powell's death to be a homicide by poisoning. Which he would be correct in. The Cincinnati Police Department was notified, and the test came back positive for cyanide. Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves a homicide. Yay! Not the fact that it's a homicide, but the fact that you guys figured it out. Do you know what that's from? Don't tell me. Wait, hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves ourselves a homicide. homicide. That's from the documentary 7. (laughs) <laughs> so many times we brought up seven if you haven't watched it go watch it it's fucking good she just gave a dirty look to the microphone and pointed at it yeah do it she, she did it again she's do st- it she's still doing it mm. whoa she flexed i'm flexing my cunt at you whoa yeah <laughs> that's how passionate i am about seven she it's a really good movie flexed her cunt <laughs> Do the do, do the listeners know about flexing the cunt? That was an ins- I, that's an inside joke we have. I think we've mentioned it before that I'm flexing my cunt. Wow! Tell them what it is. Oh no, it's uh, from a uh, Bert Kreischer. I think his name is a stand-up comedian. It was talking about how you know, like how women don't like to be called cunts, but guys actually like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and he says like it's a rare opportunity. You know, like when a woman actually flexes her cunt. You know, and like one of them was like when like a construction worker's talking down to your wife, like, oh, no, you would, I don't expect you to understand that, ma'am. And it's like, oh, shit, you just summoned the cunt. <laughs> so, it's kind of been an inside joke in our family. Yeah. So when I get that. There it is. I'm flexing my cunt. She just flexed the cunt. Look at her go. Yep. So authorities began questioning everyone. Powell's wife, nurses, doctors, anyone who had access to Powell that could have administered the cyanide. Even the food that Powell had eaten was traced and investigated. Even into the fucking cafeteria people that worked there. Yeah. Harvey's name came up several times when nurses were questioned, <laughs> citing his... Even cafeteria workers were like, did you check with Harvey? Yeah. Citing his questionable end of employment at the VA hospital two years prior. Medical staff began volunteering to take polygraph tests to clear themselves and Harvey agreed to take one as well. He bought a book on how to beat polygraphs, but ended up calling in sick on the day he was supposed to take it. Oh, Harvey. Gosh, golly, gee whiz willikers, tell you what. Authorities found this a little suspicious. Especially when they found it in a bag next to an occult book. Syringes, <laughs> liver, a gun. Cocaine spoon. Cocaine spoon. <laughs> I love the fact that they refer to it as a cocaine spoon. Not just a spoon, not just a bent spoon, but a cocaine spoon. That there's for cocaine. That's what they specifically referred to it as. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
They found the suspicious and called him in for questioning. And they questioned Harvey for a while doing the whole good cop, bad cop thing. And they eventually wore Harvey down and he admitted to putting cyanide in Powell's feeding tube. He claimed it was a mercy killing. That he had felt bad for Powell and his family and what they were all going through and said he had never done anything like it before. But this was the time to do it. Yeah. This, what was he, 44 years old? He's not like at the end of his life. Sorry. Yeah. No. Harvey was... I didn't like the way he was living his life. Like, oh, could you give him a minute? Mm-hmm. He probably would have been better. Yeah. Harvey was indicted for aggravated first-degree murder of John Powell on April 6, 1987. He was appointed a public defender, and his competency hearing found that he was sane. Depressed, but sane. He was there. He was all, he was all there up there. An anchor at WCPO-TV in Cincinnati named Pat Minerson started delving deeper into Harvey's background as he doubted this was Harvey's first and only kill. He started getting anonymous calls from nurses that worked at Drake with Harvey. Many questioned other suspicious deaths that had happened on shifts when Harvey was working. Why didn't you do this at the time? Well, I don't fucking know. No, I have no answer for that, Billy. They're fucking, I don't know. They're incompetent, you know? And, yeah. And I just, and it sounds like I'm being mean towards those nurses, but I kind of hope they're like, I kind of hope they were like, you know, I wish I'd have said something sooner. A lot, a lot more people fucking died. Mm-hmm. I should have said something when we were cracking jokes. Yeah. But, well, mm-hmm. too late now. Several of these nurses had taken the concerns to administrators, but were shut down. Aminerson started mapping out Harvey's schedules for the past several months and comparing them to dates of suspicious deaths that medical staff had told him about. He noticed a very high number of unexpected deaths happened while Harvey was on shift. Minerson took this information to William Whalen, Harvey's how, public defender. How come the guy that does the scheduling at the hospital didn't put that shit together? Because they probably have no access to what's going on during their shift. If they're job is just to schedule they're probably not in the know about what's going on on the floor if they did they should be ashamed of themselves did you know that every tuesday somebody died oh i didn't know that did you know harvey was scheduled every fucking tuesday well now that i think about it yeah yeah if somebody knew they if somebody had actually thought these are the days that people are dying and it's questionable I think people might have put two and two together, but in the medical profession, there's so much overlay of different shifts and different people working that it would probably be hard to kind of narrow it down to one specific person. Well, clearly. Not that I'm giving any of them any credit, but if they had those concerns, why didn't the fucking administration investigate? If they took them to the administrators and the administrator said, no, 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 no. It's all right. They're just dying because they're old. Yeah. Except when they're 40 fucking four. Old people smell like almonds. It's a thing. Yeah, evidently. I want to smell like almonds when I'm old. Almonds oh, are awesome. I can make that happen. I'll go to jail, but I mean, if you want, <laughs> I guess. Oh. So, yeah. Minerson took this to William Wallen, Harvey's public defender. And Wallen came out and asked Harvey if he had killed anyone else. 
Harvey's response was, by his estimate, he'd killed close to 70 people. Give or take. Best guess, about 70. Uh, I don't know. I want to say about 55. Wait, today's Wednesday, right? No, let's round 70. up to 70. 70. 70. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Waylon knew that if Harvey was indicted on further murders, that he would be facing the death penalty. So the best option he had for his client was to strike a deal. He worked out a plea bargain where prosecutors would take the death penalty off the table and Harvey would confess to all of his murders. If Harvey didn't include every single murder, the deal would be off. Harvey would take life in prison as a sentence. My, my seat keeps making fart sounds. All right. Good talk. <laughs> Harvey began the daunting <laughs> process of confessing to his crimes. Like we were some 80s songs on and they're doing a montage. montage. You know? <laughs> like the karate kid montage. Like uh-huh. he's sitting there like first is like. Be the best. Yeah. All right. And he's pointing at stuff. And then like the next thing you know, he's got, he's, he's got the red string. Red string. And he's like. Looping it around. Nothing's going to ever keep you down. And he's like, and this one here. And this one here. <laughs> Well, he pled guilty to 29 murders and was sentenced on August 21st to three consecutive life sentences. The minimum to serve for a life sentence was 20 years, so he was guaranteed to be behind bars for at least 60 years. He was 35 at this time, so he would be 95 if he got released on the earliest possible parole date. But there was more. Why wouldn't there be? He also pled guilty to seven counts of attempted murder... For the people he had poisoned, but had lived. Mercy poison. And Harvey still had to confess to the murders he had committed in Kentucky at the Marymount Hospital. This was just Ohio. <laughs> he really went crazy in Ohio. Harvey confessed to 13 murders at the hospital, but only 10 could be corroborated. He could not recall who three of them were. So they were unable to be identified. That's pretty. He was like, I killed this person, but I don't remember who they were. But this is what I did. Uh, he, he was in the. He was in a hospital bed. He was in a gown. Wearing a gown, and uh, I don't know. Feeding it was. Tube. I was dealing with a possible promotion yeah. at the time, and I just, you know, he died. It's one of those things where you leave the house and you're not sure the oven was on. Kind of like you know what I mean. Yeah, like that. I probably like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know how the song's like on the tip of your tongue? Mm-hmm. And then like two mm-hmm. days later you get it. Ask me in two days what their names are. I might yeah. know. Right now though, <laughs> escapes me. Tell you what. Yep, exactly. You got any orange juice? <laughs> <laughs> he was indicted on multiple murder charges, a voluntary manslaughter charge, and several attempted murders in Kentucky as well. He was sentenced to life in prison for each of the murders and 20 years for the manslaughter. These sentences were to be conserved concurrently in an Ohio prison. He was incarcerated at the Toledo Correctional Institution on October 26, 1987, with 37 confirmed kills on the books. And that's not even including the ones they couldn't fucking corroborate. Yeah. Yep. There was a flurry of civil suits filed by victims and families of victims aimed at Harvey, the hospitals he had worked at, and various medical staff and administrators at those facilities. I get it. Which I understand. Yeah. You brushed it under the rug. We sent you, we sent him here to get better. 
mm-hmm. and you did the 100% complete opposite. Yeah. The suit's monetary request totaled $235 million. That was in 80s, 1980s money. That bears a lot of money. In April of 1988, a former supervisor of Harvey's at Drake Hospital named Jan Taylor struck a plea bargain himself. He pled no contest to falsification of a public document for adding handwritten notes to Harvey's file, claiming that two of his former employers had told representatives at Drake that Harvey was eligible for rehire, which he was not. It's a guy named Jan? Yes, it's a guy named Jan. Just making sure. And it's not clear exactly what Jan was sentenced to, but he was sentenced to something. Yeah. Harvey took part in an interview in 2003 on 60 Minutes 2 about healthcare workers that killed their patients. When asked how he managed to get away with it for 17 years, he claimed that doctors are overworked and just didn't notice, saying they don't usually see the patients once they die, which is very much true. You call the doctor and say, hey, so-and-so's dead. Can I get an order to release the body? The doctor says, okay, that doctor never lays eyes on them again. It's up to the coroner or the medical examiner. Yeah. Now. They're busy. They're busy business people taking busy business boobs. Mm-hmm. They're very busy. Very busy businessmen. Now, let's skip ahead a few years. Harvey was still living the prison life at age 65 in 2017, at least until the end of March. On March 28th, Harvey was found in his cell beaten severely. He was taken to the hospital and lived for two more days, dying on March 30th, 2017, from blunt head trauma, fractures to his skull, and brain injuries. Authorities believe they knew who the inmate was that had beaten Harvey to death, but this inmate was in prison for at least another 25 years on burglary and assault charges, so they took their time making a case. I mean, with... Like, I'm wondering if it was had anything to do with who Harvey was, because I'm pretty sure that there are times where, you know, you see a convicted murderer or convicted rapist who was beaten to death, when really he just had a beef with a gang that beat him to death. Like, probably, Or you have someone like Dahmer. Yeah. Who was killed because of fucking what he did. Was he, though? I'm pretty sure he was beaten to death and stuff because he, like, owed somebody something. No, he evidently was talking about his murders in the prison, and the guy that killed him beat him to death. Oh, okay. That's what I've heard. I just wonder how many of these are actually pertain to, like, what they did as opposed to, you know, he disrespected me, so I beat the shit out of him and didn't have anything to do with what he did. After working in a prison and seeing the guys that get beat down, it is not typically... For what they've done. I would love to think that fucking pedophiles and rapists would get the fucking sharp end of the shank, but that doesn't happen. I mean, I have to take care of everybody, but from what I've experienced, it is not strictly for what they've done that has gotten them in prison. Yeah. And and I, I know I've mentioned it before. But there's times where I'm thinking, like, you know, those guys that are in prison, they don't want to be in prison anymore. Most of them will probably, I mean, I can't speak on experience. Most of them probably keep themselves because they want to make parole. They want to get, they want to get out. Some of them do. Like, you know, it's like, 
Not all. You, 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 it doesn't look good on you, on, on, you know, to the parole board if you're like, well, you beat the brakes off of somebody in a shower. You're like, ah, fuck. So I'm fucked, aren't I? Yeah, you are because you did this. Whereas Some opposed to like, I went, I got my college degree, I studied law, I did this, I did this, I did this. Can I leave now? And they're like, yeah, actually, you seem pretty cool. Well, I mean, I just had a conversation with one of the inmates the other day who he's 60 days out after spending almost 10 years in prison. He wants nothing more than to just get out. And he's like, I've changed. A few years ago, you would have seen a different man, but I want to get out and make something of myself. And then you see some guys that come in and they're just fucking assholes and they don't care. Yeah. This is their life. They don't care what happens to them. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are just bad. Mm-hmm. And I think those guys in 30 years would probably see things different, but they're still young uh-huh. and they're still full of themselves. Those are, so, those are the ones that are dangerous. The ones yeah. who, who, the ones who, even if they do act, have something to lose, the ones that act like they have nothing to lose, those mm-hmm. are the ones that are dangerous. Exactly. And there are some that I'm like, God, if you were to get released tomorrow, I'd be scared. Yeah. But got to go with the, do what you gotta the do. law. I mean, but uh, anyway, this guy was already serving a very long sentence. So they just took their time, made a case against him. And on May 3rd of this year, 45-year-old inmate James Elliott was charged with aggravated murder for the death of Donald Harvey. And I didn't plan this to work out like this at all, but he just pled guilty on September 24th, which was two days before I actually wrote this outline. Mm -hmm. So it just worked out just that way. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh... Damn, you're good. (laughs) He has been sentenced to life in prison, so... I mean, he already had another 25 years and he was already in his, you know, 45. So, what, 70 he would have been out? So, what's the difference yeah. between 70 and life? <laughs> so, he has been sentenced to life in prison. He told the local Blade newspaper that he initially was going to stab Harvey, but Harvey screamed, so he began to beat him. He said he knocked him unconscious with the third blow and then once Harvey collapsed, Elliot, quote, stomped his head off the floor seven or eight times with my foot, end quote. That'll do it. But Elliot's mother said, quote, he's still a good person to me. Just because he got rid of a piece of shit, that's what he is to me. He's still a good kid. He's a man now, but he's still a good person, end quote. You're fucking jaded yeah. or something. No, he stomped a man's head, um, quote, off the floor seven or eight times with his foot. He gets a little testy. (laughs) And that's the crazy conclusion of Donald Harvey, prolific angel of death, which I thought about doing an angel of death for a while, but this one's a little different because it's not a nurse. It was a quote unquote CNA tech, whatever you'd like to call him. Guy with arsenic. And he killed a fucking lot of people. Yeah. So many. He really took that ball and ran with it. Mm-hmm. He did. So thanks for listening, guys. We hope you liked the episode. You know where to find us. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Martinis and the Macabre. And we also have a fan page on Facebook called Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macabre. You can also follow us on Twitter at Martini underscore Macabre. Feel free to post whatever you like from funny to morbid and please share. That's the easiest 
and totally free way to help us out just by spreading the word. If you want to go a step further, then please get on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can leave a rating or review, and we hope it will be a positive one. And don't forget, if you send us a snapshot of your review, we will send you a sticker. And if you've already left a review but haven't sent us a pic, you can still do so and get that sticker, even if the review is old. And if you want to go balls to the wall and financially support the show, you can make a one-time donation in the amount of your choosing via our PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage on our website, martinisandthemacabre.com, which we would like to thank Martha for her one-time donation to last the whole year, since she's not real crazy about Patreon, which I understand. I'm not crazy about it either. Thank you, Martha. We love you, Martha. We've got your stuff ready to go. It's going to be mailed out as soon as I possibly can. It's hard to do when I work 12-hour shifts. Even harder on a Saturday. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, if you guys are interested in the Patreon things, you can set up a pledge for monthly donations through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash martinis and the macabre. Even a $1 pledge gets you access to our patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show. And for just a few dollars more, you can get some exclusive goodies. Every dollar is hugely appreciated. And thank you to the ones that have recently increased your pledge. We thank you very much. We love you. We're in the market now for getting a mixer. So we're trying to... Yeah. Not not, not one for the kitchen that I would use. Yeah. But one for... One for microphones and, and sounds and stuff. That she would use. things. Yeah. I got to figure out how to use one. We've done this for three years with one mic, and I don't know what to do. I fear change. (laughs) (laughs) Every dollar from you guys is hugely appreciated. I mean, even a dollar a month, those dollars add up. So we truly thank you guys. And thank you to all past patrons, and especially to our current patrons, Kirsten, our baller, yo, we love you. Baller. Bender, Bonnie, Bridget, Caroline, Chelsea, Christina, Cooper, Corey, Donald, Belfast Grace, Tarlene, Heather, Jennifer, Kate, Christy, Kristen, Lady Danger, Marie Maxime, Molly, Monica, Sue, Vanessa, and Veronica. You awesome snuggle bunnies have our undying love. Kisses. For any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, shoot us an email at martinisinthemacabre at gmail.com. Or you can use the contact page on the website. Also on the website, you can find a bio about us, a complete episode catalog that you can binge, and all of the music created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of each episode. And keep listening because there will be a new one at the end of this episode. Not on any of his albums. New shit. Alright, that about wraps it up, guys. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, snuggle bunnies. And we'll see you in two weeks. 3D printers can now print guns, but I'm not impressed. I've had a Canon printer for years. Mic drop. Is it? Yeah. My teacher says I'm pretty good at addition, but I'm terrible at subtraction. I don't get the difference. Fuck you, Billy.
yuck.org. I'm logging on, buddy.